The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to the Rebel Podcast. As always, you got Pinade and Pootie in Garage Mahal, our home away from home. Do you like? I think I'm going to call it the home away from home from now on. Sounds good to me. It's, it's really the only place other than church that we're allowed to go. So <laughs> I don't know if we're allowed to be here, but here we are. Well, we're all brothers and sisters. Yeah, right. Household of faith. Household of faith. <laughs> Not sure doing? if that's going to stand up in court, but that's that's what we're going with. So on a scale, I'm going to ask you a question. I did, we didn't play in this question. On a scale of one to ten. By the year 2023, what do you give your chances to spend a night in jail? Between now and 2023? Yeah. As a pastor. <laughs> like 90%. I mean, <laughs> like I, the thing is, I think COVID stuff aside, we have like Bill C-7, Bill C-6, Bill C-10. We have all these bills coming out about restricting free speech, restricting internet, uh, social media commentary. We have bills about conversion therapy that are all coming down. All these come with uh, with criminal charges, you know, and I think it's no coincidence. We should just do a whole podcast on this at some point, but like <laughs> it's no coincidence that all of those bills are coming down while the churches in Canada are closed. Right. Amen. And so you have all of these bills that are coming down that restrict our free speech and restrict what can be preached from the pulpit legally. And you think any of these churches that are closed for COVID that haven't been defying government orders when they're told you can't gather are going to be defiant in what they preach about in terms of homosexuality and what they post on the Internet? No. Yeah. So what you're saying is I'm going down with you. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Well, I, I would give myself a 70% chance at the best of time anyway. <laughs> yeah, so like, that's true. I'm thinking 90% is pretty good, but like I'll thrive in prison. I'm built for it. But like you, you're too pretty. <laughs> like you'll be in trouble. I think. Have you ever seen the movie? Uh, 25th Hour? Yeah, 25th All Hour right. with Edward Norton where he's like, make me ugly. <laughs> that, that might be us sometime. <laughs> if no, if you haven't seen the movie, you don't get that reference. Yeah, I don't but if to, you did. I don't have to say it. I'll just be like, well, I'll just be, the, I'll just be myself then. Yeah. Take off the hat. Shave. Uh, <laughs> so this is the Rebel Podcast. This is P. Nate and Pootie. For those of you who are listening on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Canada Network, welcome to some of our new listeners. For those of you who have been listening for a while, welcome back as well. We're excited to be back. And we're going to talk today about a couple things just in terms of how we've been thinking through everything that's going on. Uh, but you wanted to start off with some some news. And you have something from uh, from a news article that uh, you and I had posted on social media. So what were you wanting to talk about? Yeah, this is from the Christian Post. And it's a, and basically a a pastor in China was arrested in his for his home church for officiating a funeral. I don't know the details, like specifically, yeah. um, tons of the ins and outs of the case. But I want to get your thoughts on two on two points. One, how do you think of what's happening to the persecution in China versus what's happening in Canada and the parallels? But then I also want to get your thoughts on. We've heard this all over social media recently about 
we shouldn't be calling what's happening in Canada persecution. Right. So I want to get your thoughts on just that idea of like, when is it okay for us to say it's persecution? And you can take a look at it. Uh, Christian Post did a good article on it, uh, and it's written on May 8th. The title is Authorities Arrest Preacher in Heavily Persecuted House Church for Officiating a Funeral. So this is Pastor Wu from uh, Early Rain Covenant Church in China who made the news earlier this year. But yeah, so he was arrested for officiating a funeral. And it's interesting. Uh, the reason I shared the article is obviously we ought to always be praying for the church in China and these these types of persecution. But the point was, and if you read the article, it's interesting. So he was technically charged. They were charged with subversion of power and illegal business operations and for subverting public orders. So they were not, and this is one of the things that we keep hearing as Christians is, well, the government hasn't restricted your ability to preach the gospel, right? They, they haven't told you that you can't preach the gospel, and therefore it's not persecution. And I think that's ridiculous because tyranny never comes with a—it's it's like we forget that the devil has schemes. It's like we forget that the devil is not an idiot, right? Like, the persecution is going to come masked like it's not persecution, right? The devil comes as an angel of light, the Bible says, right? So it's it's never so thinly veiled as, you know, Bill C-12, thou shalt not pre- preach the gospel. It doesn't come like that. It's, it's, it's their schemes, it's strategy, it's warfare. So the church in China was, was uh, charged not because they're Christians, but because they were resisting public orders. That's the whole point. What they're punishing is dissension. And that's exactly what the church is. And so we hear this all the time. Well, you know, this isn't real persecution. And that comes in two forms. So first there's the, well, they're not telling you not to preach the gospel side of things. And then there's the, well, Christians have been persecuted throughout history. And if you call this persecution, you're dishonoring the people who have been burned at the stake, et cetera. So the extent. So I'm going to deal with that one first, because that one's really simple to, to refute. And that is, okay, so if you take the position, this isn't real persecution because worse things have happened to other Christians in history, therefore it's not persecution. Let's just play that out. Let's say that me as a pastor, somebody comes into me and wants biblical counseling because, you know, let's say it's a teenager or something and they, their, their boyfriend or girlfriend broke up with them. Actually, you know what? Let's make it a bit worse. Okay. So uh, a father comes in, he has a family and he lost his job. All right. And he's coming in and he's feeling, you know, emasculated. He's feeling embarrassed. He doesn't have a job. He's feeling worried that he can't provide for his family. You know, would it be okay for me to say, you're not really suffering, I'm counseling Susie over there and she's dying of cancer. You think you got it bad? Like, just look at Susie. She's the one who's really suffering. So we can't go about and say, just because you are not being persecuted to the extent that other Christians in the past or other Christians in other parts of the world are being persecuted doesn't minimize it, right? We can't flatten out persecution like that, just like we can't flatten out human suffering. So that argument just falls apart the minute you apply it to anything else. Yeah, let me jump into it with like, this would be like if we were to say to somebody who was being persecuted for their skin color, for instance, be like, oh, that's not really persecution because you didn't get fired from your job. You didn't take a beating. You didn't get lynched. So it's not real. That's just yeah. using the exact same argument. That's right. Put back on them. And like, nobody is saying that that's not persecution. I'm not even saying that's not persecution. I'm saying, yeah, that's legit. Um, but like Christians I'm talking to don't want to apply the same logic no. to our faith. No. It's like, yeah, it makes no sense. So that one's easily refuted. And then the second point is the silly notion that until the gospel is outlawed, it's not real persecution. And that's just silly as well. Jesus never said, blessed are those who are persecuted for preaching the gospel. He says, blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. 
So the idea is, is when we are persecuted, we are persecuted for righteousness sake, meaning whether you are mocked, whether you are beaten, whether you are imprisoned, or whether you are deemed an outlaw for doing righteous things, it's persecution. And so officiating a funeral in China is a righteous thing to do. Pastors should be officiating funerals. And so he is being persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Going to church is a righteous thing. Laying hands on the sick is a righteous thing. Greeting one another with a holy kiss, having Christian fellowship, breaking bread together, being hospitable. These are all righteous things to do. How do we know the righteous things to do? Because the Bible commands us to do them. And the Bible tells us to practice such things with one another. And so all those one another's of scripture are righteous things to do. And when they become outlawed, when they become things that you are getting mocked for, hassled for, condemned for, it's persecution. The other thing I hear, I guess there's a third prong, and that is I hear sometimes, well, these public health measures, they apply to everybody equally. Therefore, Christianity isn't being singled out. Therefore, it's not Christian persecution. I would say, number one, they're not actually equally applied, right? Because Costco's open, <laughs> right? Um, and, uh, and you know, the, it, it's, it's the reductionistic materialism of the government that says, you know, food is essential, but spiritual food is not essential. Yeah, we could even, we could even go, like, there was 20,000 people at a UFC event a week ago. Yeah. And we can't meet in our church of 200. You know right. what I mean? That makes no sense. Yeah. So there's the inconsistency, but the other thing is you have to remember that one of the reasons we should be fighting back against this tyranny isn't just for the Christian's sake. It's for the sake of our neighbors. Like loving your neighbor means loving your neighbor's liberty. Loving your neighbor means loving your neighbor's freedom and fighting for their freedom and fighting for their ability to hold the hand of a loved one who's dying in the hospital, fighting for their ability to celebrate with loved ones when they're having a wedding that happened. It's supposed to happen once in your life, fighting for their ability to have their business open so they can provide for their family. Like that's what loving your neighbor is. Yeah. That's, it's basically the idea of the good Samaritan, right? Like absolutely the, the church should be the ones, even though they, these people don't, might not believe we're the ones picking them up. We're the ones defending all their rights. We're the front line. You know Absolutely. what I mean? hundred percent people who think we should only be doing these things to inside the church are not getting the point of the, the gospel message. We are the light of the world, exactly. not just the light of the church. You know exactly. I mean? so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we did want to provide a little bit of an update just on sort of what's going on here in Canada with some of our good friends. There's a, uh, an article on CBC that talks about Trinity Bible Chapel uh, that has had their, do- their doors locked, that there's more charges coming against them and the Church of God in Elmer. And uh, basically, Lisa Bildy from the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedom, who is a hero, by the way, if you want to send her some, some love, just send her an email or something on social media just telling her what a great job she's doing. She is fighting. Uh, and James Kitchen out west, but uh, it's uh, Lisa Bildy here in Ontario, who uh, are fighting for the churches. They've had their constitutional challenges um, amalgamated. So several churches are now, the the judge will hear the constitutional challenges together. And they're going to hear them in September. So an actual court date has been set, but it's in September. And so I I wanted to say that, number one, is September 27th is the day, and it's going to be at a St. Thomas courtroom. The reason I want to say that is, number one, so that our listeners can be praying. But number two, the reason I want to say that is because, uh, you know, here's another instance of injustice when a church, it takes, you know, less than 24 hours to get an injunction against the church. And we've seen that with uh, um, Harvest Windsor. We've seen that with uh, Trinity Bible Chapel. We've seen that with Church of God in Elmer out west. We saw that with Grace Life. 
So it takes less than 24 hours to get an injunction against the church. And when you're in court, it takes less than 24 hours for a sheriff to be empowered to go and lock the doors of a church. Uh, we saw out Grace Life uh, in Alberta. We saw that it takes less than 24 hours to put a fence around a church. And yet it takes over six months for a judge to hear the constitutional challenges of the church. So now, you know, all these churches locked out of their buildings, not able to meet on their own property for six months because this won't be heard. So, you know, some of the listeners might be sitting there and you might be getting angry. What can you do? Here's a, a few things you can do. <laughs> you can actually call. You can call um, the, uh, the judges, go to the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedom. They have a list of the court dates, the case numbers, and the, uh, the judges. You can call. You can uh, vocalize your support. You can call Waterloo Health Unit. Uh, you can call Alberta Health Unit and you can complain. They have a complaint line. Uh, actually, maybe we'll put those in the show notes and you can you can call and you can voice your concern and you can tell them that you think it's unjust that uh, that these churches are locked out. And the truth is, we're in this boat with uh, several other churches in Ontario that now that some of the big fish have been taken down, Jacob and Aaron and some of the bigger churches in the region, now they're looking at all the smaller churches who are faithfully open and they're hunting us down as well. And so just be praying for the church and do all that you can in terms of uh, lending support that way. Yeah, another, another thing you can do if you're not going to a church that's currently open pressure your pastors to open because the more of us yeah, that do this, the, the less, biggest. the less they can do this to all of us. 100%. And part of what's hurting the witness of churches like Windsor, like a uh, Trinity and, and the other ones is the fact that like they seem alone in the, in this yeah. battle right now, when we have 500 churches in our, in the city that we live in and one is open yeah. in the, in the city, that's just ridiculous. If we open the more of us that open, the less they can do anything yeah. to it. So it screams a witness that and, we're, and honestly, so just to jump on that, the other thing you can do, apply public pressure through social media, through calling their offices of uh, elected officials, MPPs, and also one of the things that's hurting the churches more than anything right now, and I can say this for some of my brothers who are taking a beating right now, what hurts the most is not being chided by the, the mainstream media or the, the pagan politicians or, or the health units or whatever. What's hurting the most is when other pastors, other Christian organizations are speaking out against them, whether it's the Gospel Coalition, a bunch of the professors at Heritage. I'm talking about Stan Fowler. I'm talking about Michael Haken. I'm talking about a bunch of public figures. I'm talking about Paul Carter. I'm talking about Wyatt Graham. I'm talking about a bunch of public figures who I'm not, I'm brothers, absolutely, but um, they are condemning the few faithful pastors that are open. If you go to any of their churches or you are sitting in any of their classes, email them, call them, and tell them that you're disappointed with the stance that they've taken and that they should reconsider before they publicly bash what other churches are doing and trying to remain faithful. Because in 10 years, looking back, if more churches don't open up, this is going to be a losing battle and uh, they're going to be on the wrong side of history. Amen. So we've burned everybody now. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the, which means we can move on to one of the things uh, that we, one of the things we kind of wanted to talk about today was Chris and I were just chatting and we were like, oh, we should do a podcast on this. We want to talk about this idea of mitigating risk and this like where, and a bunch of the Christians we just called out, where did this need to survive come from? Like, where did this obsession with living come from? You know, I saw a meme and that's what kind of sparked this thought for me. And it was just a picture of a guy in a hazmat suit talking to another person. And the guy in the hazmat suit goes, hi, 
Do you mind if I tell you about the gospel of Jesus Christ who conquered the grave and took the sting out of death so that we can live forever? And it's just like the irony of the picture is so good, right? As he's saying these things, like how is it that we are going to have the authority to preach the gospel of eternal life to a culture that is so scared when we're exhibiting the same level of fear? Amen. So, yeah, I think that's very profound. And it's also interesting that that's how all of our podcasts come up is we're just, Nate and I, we're just chatting. <laughs> um, yeah. And then our wives said, enough, enough. just do a just, podcast just do about a it. Podcast. That's why you have this podcast. Um, I think you're spot on. We live in a culture that is absolutely obsessed with just continuing life. Yeah. What is the greatest fear I, like people have? Death. Everything is about how do we avoid this how do we avoid thing. aging? How do we avoid deteriorating? How do we stay young forever, right? How do we last longer? How can we, all that stuff. Absolutely. And I think, I think this is all, all boils back down to, to a fundamental belief. It all, it all boils down to, do you either believe what the word of God says, or do you believe what science has, has told you? And it all, it all boils down to what do you think and how do you think the universe was created yeah. and what, what has happened and sustained. Yeah, completely. I think evolutionary thinking has infiltrated and infected everything in the world. Interestingly, um, there's a really good uh, there's a really good documentary, and the name of it is escaping me right now. That uh, talks about how the head of Harvard Law. Um, this is going back into like the I want to say the 60s or something like that. Um, the head of Harvard Law, the guy who was who was hired as the dean of Harvard Law, um, was an evolutionist who thought that uh, was so taken by Darwin's origin of species that he wanted uh, Darwinian evolution. He said, if this is the origin story, if this is how we're here, then this infects everything. This colors everything, including law. Right? If 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 we are evolving, then our concept of truth is also evolving, which means our our concept of law should also evolve. And and quite honestly, this is where the, the concept of case law um, was established, right? Uh, all of our judicial systems in the West were founded on uh, Judeo-Christian principles on the, on the law of God. And yet evolutionary theory infiltrated and started thinking, well, if we are evolving, then the ruling in one case ought to uh, affect the next case and, and that case affect the next case because everything is evolving just like us. Here's where I'm going with this. So when I'm talking to people, I... One of the things that I'm baffled by is how poor students of history we are. I talk to people about some of the freedoms that are being taken away right now, about some of the tyranny that's starting to be established, some of the bills that are, are starting. Bill C-10 in Canada is uh, is all about censoring um, uh, what people can say. It's 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 Our, it, our government can monitor our social medias and they can block anything that doesn't align with their policy. Basically. That's right. And so... You look at that and you're like, this is historically, whenever governments have, have begun to control the press, well, I mean, look at where we are right now. I mean, clearly the government controls the press and begins to monitor and suppress free, free speech. It never goes anywhere good, right? Justin Trudeau just uh, aggressively banned all kinds of firearms. Again, historically, when, when uh, populations have their guns taken away, it doesn't end well. If anybody likes paying income tax or property tax, those are emergency orders that were never rescinded to pay for World War One. And so you look at some of the some of the things that are going on right now. And when I try to have these conversations with people and you bring up and I get it, it's an easy thing and everybody likes to bring it up. But like when you start saying things like, you know, 
in in the 1940s in Germany, you know, you had neighbors who were riding on one another. You had, you know, the, the kindest, most loving neighbors were the ones who turned a blind eye, right? Like, when you're talking about civil disobedience, you have all these these churches and all these Christians who are not okay with civil disobedience. You wonder, are these the same people? And I'm not making an accusation. I'm asking a question. Are these the same people who would not have been comfortable being civilly disobedient by hiding Jews in their basements and in their attics, right? There are all these parallels because, you know, Nazi Germany didn't start with gas chambers. It ended with gas chambers. It started with control. It started with censoring what pastors could preach. It started by dearming the population. It started with um, liberal uh, left-wing propaganda. Quite honestly, even when they got to gas chambers, they were talking about how the Jewish people were a threat to Germany, that they were threatening the economy, that they were threatening your livelihood. So it all started by the government convincing people of a threat that was never actually a threat. I'm just making those parallels just to drive home a point. And the point is, history would remind us that when these things start happening, it's not going anywhere good. And yet, you have all these people who are unwilling to hear that because they truly believe, oh, we wouldn't get there now. And you got to ask the question, why don't they think that, right? Those who fail to learn history are doomed to repeat it is the, is the old adage. Why is it that people think there's no way we could do that again? There's no way there could be a Joseph Stalin who kills 60 million people. There's no way there could be another Hitler who... Why do people think that when history is literally littered with examples of this happening? I think it's because of evolutionary thinking. I think because in, in, the, in the recesses of their mind and their subconscious, they believe that history and, and, the, and humanity are evolving and we've evolved past the point where we could allow something like Nazi Germany to happen. Yeah, exactly. Let's prove it now. So okay. I like it when I, when I just make bold <laughs> statements and you're going to prove it for me. Good. Well, just, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to use big, big empires. If we just look, did the Romans ever believe they would fall? No, no, they didn't. Did the Persians ever think they were going to fall? Nope. No. Did Babylon ever think it was going to fall? No. So why do we in the West, I'm going to link Canada, the States, Britain, France, all the Western cultural worlds. Why do we think that our empire will last forever and it won't crumble the same way all the other empires did because we think we're immortal, because we think we've evolved past the idea of like, mm. we're above Right. Petty disagreements. Yeah. We're not primitive like those old civilizations or those old. Yeah, exactly. And like, and I think you're spot on with the idea. Like we've, we've evolved or we think we've evolved past all these, like, oh, we would never put people in gas chambers again, but yet we're still fine with putting Muslims in camps in China and we're, our government is completely fine with it. And we get these situations where it's like, well, that's the first step. And that's not, that's not us being alarmist. That's not us being conspiracy theorists. This is history repeating itself. Yeah. And we are, the Bible tells us we should be looking at the signs of the times. You know what I mean? Like, no, obviously that's in reference to something different, but that it's a principle that Christians should live with. We right. should be looking at the time, the signs of the times and we should be the ones trying to remember history. And it's interesting. Like what was a big complaint? Was it 2019? The years blur together now, but was <laughs> Um, we're tearing down all the statues. We're tearing down all the yeah. remembering the remembrance and of yeah. what's happened in the past. All throughout the Old Testament, one of the most repeated things is to remember. Yeah. remember Build monuments. Remember. remember. Yeah. And why are we not allowed to remember right now? Because we want to rewrite history. Yeah. We want to rewrite that these that governments that did these things 
end up in these areas where we're putting people in camps because they disagree with us. Just play the thought out. Hmm. They're taking away our weapons. So they're taking away our right to defend ourselves. Then they're going to silence us on in the media. So we can't dissent about their, their well, choices. Silence us on social media, which, by the way, is the only place people are legally allowed to gather right now. So, so you're not congregating and talking with people because right now in Canada, literally, I, we, we are here in southwestern Ontario. It is illegal for us to be doing what we are doing right now. Right. Like, I don't know if we should be incriminating ourselves like that, but it is illegal for three people in different households to be in this room together. And so we can't get together and talk. Now they're passing legislation that will silence them from dissenting views on social media as well, because that's where people are organizing their thoughts. The next line down the the thing is that what we preach at our churches, which is another bill that's coming in Canada, um, that says that we can't preach against sin. We can't tell somebody that they need to change becomes a criminal offense. Yeah. So play that out. I can't defend myself. I'm not allowed to like question you in public. I'm not allowed to challenge you in any way, shape, or form. You just mentioned earlier about the fact that we can't get court dates to even argue our point. Right. We talked last week on the podcast or two weeks ago about the idea that like in Canada now, we the prosecution doesn't even have to present evidence yeah. to put you in <laughs> to, to prosecute you. And now we're going to be criminating criminal offenses when we preach yeah. sin in our world. And play and, this out, Christians. And, and let's not forget that that the Christians who are against our point of view and all this, what are they saying to us right now about our defying and gathering? They're saying it's not the time. Well, the they time. are saying that definitely they're saying it's not the time, which is just asinine. But the other thing they're saying is they're not telling us you can't meet. You can do Zoom church. You can still go online is what they're saying. Well, the second point. Listen, <laughs> listen, buddy. They're passing legislation right now that will censor what you are saying online. So they're forcing everybody to go online, and then they're passing legislation that will allow them to censor what you're saying online. Yeah, it's unbelievable. This isn't my thought. I stole this from somebody else, but I think it's brilliant. And so I, I, I've been saying it. If you're a pastor at the church and the government came into your church, if the health official or whoever comes into Crossroads this week and says, Nate, you need to preach through tulip. You need to preach the doctrines of grace. You want to preach that every week. I know you like <laughs> yeah. you want to preach it, but like, would you preach that the next week? No, of even course if I wanted not. to, because they they're yeah. trying to mandate what we do. Right. And so like the idea there is like, even if they're asking us to do something good, if it interferes with what we're doing in worship, we right. are obligated to say no, because now we're giving them the authority over that. That's right. And so like, and what are we teaching our people? We're teaching them to submit to improper authority, right? Exactly. This is the thing. Like, and I have good friends. I, I want to put a little caveat here. I have good friends who are pastors who don't see eye to eye with me on this issue. But I just want to say, if pastors are not willing to teach their people to resist illegitimate authority, then by default, you know, you are then teaching them that it is okay to submit to illegitimate authority. How then can you teach? church ecclesiology how can you teach complementarianism how can you teach you know your children that they ought to submit to their parents alone and not somebody else right so you have all these christian kids who are in the public school system they shouldn't be we won't open up that can of worms but they're in the public school system and their teachers are telling them things that don't align with their family values now what have we just done in the church you pastor who has your church closed You have shown your people by your actions that an illegitimate authority, the civil government, can come into your church and shut down your church. And you are going to side with the civil authorities who God has not delegated worship to. 
So what are you teaching all of the young people in your churches? That if the, if the teacher comes along and is teaching something contrary to their parents, that they can go with that illegitimate authority, that they can believe that, they can go along with that authority because the state, the man, the establishment, the institution has authority to come into the church, come into your family, come into your faith, and dictate how it's lived. Is it any wonder that so many Christians are bending the knee on the LGBT issues? I just look at this and I'm like, people can't connect these dots, but it's all connected. It's like what you said, um, what we were, the original point of the, is the idea of evolutionary thinking, right? Oh, so yeah. like we're on the, we, we kind of got off, but, um, no, but the idea is like everybody's goal is just to continue to survive. We're right. not, we're not willing to risk the end of something. Right. And that includes like our, our churches will be like, it's not time to be open right now. Cause we don't want to risk our future witness. Yeah. And what it's like, future witness? Exactly. You're yeah. closed. Like you have no witness. Um, yeah. so, well, not only that, but, but what future witness? Again, if you continue on this trajectory, then your witness will not be preaching against homosexuality because you'd be in violation of Bill C-6, not against uh, medically assisted suicide because that would be against Bill C-7, not in favor of free speech because that would be against Bill C-10. Like, you are, what it's you're shocking doing, that these are all real things in Canada. Right yeah, now. seriously. And so what you're doing is you're teaching your people... I don't know any other way to say it. Cowardice. We've said all along that that guys like Jacob Rayom and Aaron Rock and James Coates are inspiring courage among pastors because courage begets courage, but cowardice begets cowardice. And so if you're not willing to risk your pension or your ordination papers or division in your church or losing your building or spending a night in jail, if you're not willing to risk those things, you are teaching your people that Christ is not worth the risk. At the end of the day, that is what you're teaching them. You're teaching them the gospel's not worth the risk. Shame on you if you honestly believe that you can be unfaithful in small things, but you'll be faithful in the big. That's the opposite of what the Bible says. Don't despise the day of small things. Like he who's given little will be trusted with much. We've said this before. David killed the lion and the bear before he ever got his public victory over the giant. So God is giving us these smaller hills to test us and to give us the opportunity to cultivate courage, right? We say this all the time. When you pray to God for patience, he doesn't zap you with patience. He gives you opportunities to cultivate patience by putting things in your life that will annoy you, (laughs) that will drain your patience. So too, if you pray to God for courage, he's going to give you opportunities to stand up. And what's happening right now is a, is a church that has wanted to be courageous, praying for opportunities to be courageous, has found themselves to be cowards because instead of standing up when God puts it in your life in order to cultivate courage, you sit down, you take a knee. And now's not the time to take a knee. Now's the time to stand up. So, Amen. Um, That's yeah, I don't know. We didn't really touch on evolution as much. As we <laughs> no, we got off track. This is also what happens on our podcast yeah. for everybody who's like new to the to the show. We plan out what we're going to say and then it goes somewhere completely different. Yeah. Um, That's what happens when you don't have notes. <laughs> we, yeah, we're letting people in on all the secrets. We don't take any notes. We just sit down and start talking and see where it goes. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's funny in this culture that we're living in where the churches are trying to like basically toe the line, be neutral, all these, these different things. Like you just like basically being cowards, but we live in a world where survival of the fittest is kind of everybody's mantra, even right. if they don't admit it. Yeah, yeah. What's a government's job? What is Justin Trudeau's most important thing that he does every single day? He set himself up to be reelected next year. Right. What's a first term president's only goal? To get a second term. You know what I mean? It's just basically survival of the fittest being played out all through our culture. And right now, 
church is losing this battle. Yeah. We would say we will eventually win this war regardless. It's going to, yeah. we are going to win. It's just a matter of like, well, we win in our lifetime or will we not? And it's, so it's a matter of like, we need to be fighting that battle, but like, and just, just to jump in there because we want to be clear it doesn't look like winning to the world, but like 35 days in jail by James Coates is winning, right? Pastor Arthur was just put in jail last week. Second Canadian pastor to be jailed. He's released now, but that's winning, right? This is what winning looks like, right? Church is getting locked up, fenced up, forced underground. It might not look like winning, but it is winning because this is how God ordains winning, right? The blood of the martyrs, the seed of the church, unless a grain of wheat, Jesus says in, in John 12, goes into the ground and dies. It bears no fruit, right? Earlier in John 12, he says, and I, when I am lifted up, will draw all men to myself, right? The, the world saw a failed Messiah die a bloody death on a cross. God saw, right, the sins of the world resting on his son who was about to purchase it with his blood. So, I mean, what looks like failure to human eyes, eyes of faith see as victory. We have to say that, first of all. The second thing I would just say is like, so what's the way out of this? How, how is it that the churches are reformed um, if so many churches are closed right now? Clearly, the church is in need of reform. And what we're saying is that much of this is linked to not believing God's creation story in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And so at the end of the day, this is believe the Bible. If one of the things, and we're just saying that one of the things that got us into this mess is not believing the Bible's creation story, but instead buying into the much worse story that the world tells about our origins, allowing that to, to seep into the church and allowing things like theistic evolution to be even in the realm of Christian orthodoxy, that's a huge indictment on the church. And that's what gets us to where we are, right? Yeah. So, so we would say, like, believe the Bible. <laughs> believe the story that God told. Believe in the Jesus who, as we said last week, touched lepers and uh, wrote uh, Leviticus 13 and gave us the tools for how to get through these things. Stop worrying about uh, what the world says around us and let the Bible be your blueprint for life. Amen. And start learning history. Start yeah. le reading the stories about people who grew up in communist Russia. And the Christians who helped overthrow the communist regime, yeah. how they defied their, their government so that people knew that they were a believer by little things like, I'll give you some practical examples, like Christian store owners right now don't require masks. Yeah. Just stay open. Yeah. Don't shut down. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you're a business person, don't require any of the restrictions in, in, your, yeah. in your work. And if, you're, if you don't things. own the business, you're a hairdresser, right? Open up in your basement. Yeah, do it just, on the side. Yeah, yeah, call. 20 bucks a pop. I don't pay right? taxes anyway, so just... Uh, <laughs> like, <don't. laughs> yeah, honestly, like, like find small ways of resistance. And if you're at a closed church, talk to your pastor. Be respectful, be kind. He's got a lot on his shoulders, but at the end of the day, make him show you his homework, right? Just like we're, we keep saying to the government, show us the science, show us your work, show us your receipts. Like, where is this stuff coming from? Help your pastor by asking him, where are you going in the scriptures? that would tell you to close the church right now. And if he goes to Romans 13, <laughs> shoot us a, a message. Mess we, message. Have, we, we, have, we, we have some we have some stock answers that we're ready for with that one. But uh, um, yeah, so anyway. Well, this is totally different got. than what we planned, but I like it. it so let's, let's, we can just end it there, I guess. Yep. Call it a day. We are the Rebels. Have a great one, guys. See you next time.